Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva, a weekly news podcast and review of international events making the headlines at the United Nations. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel Johnson and in today's show, a massive insecurity and displacement crisis in northern Mozambique that's galvanising the humanitarian community. Concern from the UN Human Rights Office over the arrest of demonstrators in Thailand under treason laws and on International Migrants Day on Friday the 18th of December, a warning that tens of thousands of desperate people continue to risk their lives on dangerous journeys across deserts, jungles and seas, and many die along the way. That's all in the news bulletin coming up shortly. But first, something much brighter. Allow me to introduce irrepressible comedian A.K. Dance. He was born in the world's largest refugee camp, Kakuma, in Kenya, after his mother fled violence in South Sudan. A.K. is now a successful stand-up artist and his latest challenge is taking part in an online show to tackle stereotypes about refugees. There are nearly 26 million globally, by the way, and around half are under 18 years old, according to the UN. So back to AK Dance and his story. In our Zoom interview, I started by asking him, has he always been a funny guy? Yeah, I think so. I've always been that kid that everyone wants to hang out with in school. <laughs> like, and I've always been a stubborn kid in school and all that. Sits in the corner, smart as well, but always like funny and all that. So I think so. But, you know, being a funny kid is way different from being a stand-up comedian. These are two different standards. Okay, tell yeah. me why. Building a joke, coming up with a joke, a setup, a punchline, and standing in front of people. It's not about being a funny person. They're, they're funny people, and they are stand-up comedians. They, that, that's a different art. You stand high chances of offending someone, and you got to flow because it's a pattern. There's a setup, there's a punchline, and all that. So you got to know how to go around all that, and everything you, you do goes through those lines. And it's just, it's an art. It's an art form. It's not something, you learn it. You're trying to get a reaction from the crowd. I've seen a few of your shows online and they're very funny. You've got this massive smile and you really bring the audience with you. But you're also quite rude yes. to them, aren't you? You say, oh, in Uganda, you make fun of Ugandans. And I don't know. How do you get away with it? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think you made speak, fun of the president even. Yeah, yeah, I did once. I did once. Because I speak Luganda, I've experienced some of the things that go on. And so when I speak their language, they become less judgmental towards me. They're like, oh, he's in the same boat with us. He can go ahead. And we talk about it. We laugh about it. Can we start then at the beginning? So you grew up in a Kakuma refugee camp in Kenya. You're originally from South Sudan. And it wasn't until you got out of the camp that you realized things were different and that there was no need to stereotype people from refugee camps. So tell us how you use comedy to break these stereotypes. So yeah, I was born in the refugee camp. My mom went to the refugee camp about 1995, something like that. And I was born right there in 1997. To me, it was just the same. You don't know anything else. I've never seen anything else except that. We had our, every Sundays, we had our cultural dances. The camp is divided into groups and zones. So I was from group 15. And all the time we'd go and watch cultural dances in other groups. And we would go to a place called Hong Kong and watch movies and all that. So like it was only when I started stepping out and started seeing, oh, it's a different place. Oh, people use concrete houses. Oh, they're roads. Oh, they're this. You get the point that I started seeing different things in a different way of living. A lot of refugees that were born there would identify with me right now. To me, it helps me describe activism to me. Because right now to me, it's all about me telling my story. Because uh, everyone else has told the story of an African refugee child. The story is uh, flies in your mouth. I don't remember any fly in my mouth. So I show up, I'm like, hey guys, I, I don't really remember having a fly in my mouth. So, so to me, I use that like to tell my own story. It's my turn to tell my story. I'm like, yo guys, I think 
I think I had some fun. I think there were some good times. I think I, I went to school. I think there were some great things out of it that I try to tell as like a testimony, like a real testimony. So that's what I can. And it's, it's all about even the negative things. It's all about embracing them and find what's funny out of it. Because way from when I was a child, whatever was wrong, we would just find it funny after some time. We just tried to laugh it out and all that. But obviously there are dark yeah. moments and your mother was forced to flee South Sudan and go to Kakuma, the biggest yes. refugee camp in the world. So was your comedy a sort of crutch for her? Was it a way of helping her cope with obviously some very difficult moments? Um, she always tried to blame herself for the circumstances that I was born in. Unfortunately, she's not alive today to see and for me to, to see if, it's, if it comforts her or anything like that. But all I know for sure is that if I accepted what it is, I make the best out of it, she would be less cruel on herself. Like she wouldn't blame herself as much. So to me, it's more of like, hey, mom, this is great. Thank you for raising me in the camp. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying. I'm traveling the world. I'm doing comedy. And they want to listen to all these stories. So to me, it's more of like trying to make her feel like it's okay. You get the point. Unfortunately, she's not alive to see all these things today. But yeah, to me, that's what it is. I'm very sorry to hear that she's no longer with you. You say that you use activism to be a voice for refugees. And I remember reading that you said rather than just doing shows for non-refugees, you really wanted to talk to refugees. Yes, it was actually. So I had a mini program that I just did with my friends around me out. I used to like ask for some stuff that they have, some stuff they don't want to use, some clothes, some shoes and all that. I wanted to do this small program where I can go to a refugee camp and just do a few minutes of comedy, distribute whatever I have in the schools. And then so I, I was collecting stuff, a lot of stuff from friends. I actually have a lot of stuff at my brother's house right now that I collected and I wanted to start delivering them this year. But COVID like kind of stepped everything. And I want to go back and do that still. I want to jump into that same thing and have some fun with them, share whatever I have with them. You think you will perform for them? I will perform for them. When the right time comes, when all the COVID thing is sorted out, I will perform for them. Now, how do you keep this positive outlook? I know you'd say that Kakuma isn't all doom and gloom. I know mm. that as well as comedians who've come out of the camp, there are also Olympic athletes and many other very successful people. It is nonetheless yeah. a pretty tough situation to be in. How do you keep positive given that there is ongoing conflict and we're told that conflict and displacement are just getting worse? You know, the blame game doesn't help, right? The rest of the world is doing what they have to do to put an end to this. There are so many organizations that work day and night to make sure that we stop producing refugees and also help support the ones that are in the camps and all that. What I do is just that, oh, it's still here. Let's fight it. Let's, but while we fight it, let's give the ones that are here a, a livelihood. Let's support each other. Let's, let's, let me guide others on how I made it through, how I survived it. And then the blame game should be whatever comes up in the... I mean, countries are signing peace agreements. My own country just signed a peace agreement and we're embarking on it and all that. Yeah, South Sudan. This is not the right time to play the blame game. You get what I'm saying? So, okay, I do encourage people to stop the wars and all that, but my mind is not so much on trying to point fingers and all that. Now, I'm talking to you because you're taking part in a show called Comedy with a Purpose with some of the biggest names in African comedy, including Basketmouth and Eddie Caddy. You know these guys. How exactly is the yes. show taking place? Is it virtual? Yeah, it's a virtual show. So it's a show that's hosted by uh, the Lukuluku tribe. The Lukuluku, it's a campaign that I was invited to be part of it. It was started off in 2017 that's supposed to like help change the narrative of an African refugee and all that. You get what I'm saying? And when I was told that, hey, can you jump on and do this? I was really excited because this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to be part of such an amazing ideas, ideas that pay back to my community and my people. It's really exciting. It's really exciting. The show is called Africa is a Continent. African 
is a country. It's a very exciting thing. What does that mean, Africa is a continent? I understand that bit, but African is a country. Can you explain? Yeah, I mean, like, in my, it, of course, it can be interpreted in very, very many ways. Everyone can interpret it in their own way. And in my own way, one of the reasons why I accepted it is for people to know that when I say African, it doesn't mean like the whole continent. Like we have so many people in Africa, like so many. We have South Sudanese, Nigerians, Ugandans, Kenyans, and, and to mention but a few. And I happen to be one of those people. I happen to be South Sudanese, but in general, it's Africa. So when people try to refer to us like, oh, you're from Senegal. Oh, oh you, 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 you're from Africa. Like, yeah, I am, but I have a place where I'm from. Some people will tell you, are you from South Sudan? Like, yes. And then like, oh, I know someone in Cameroon. Like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> to other people, they think Africans are just some cousins or, <laughs> or they're just one extended family. <laughs> oh, dear. It's more about celebrating our diversity. Like, much as we are Africa as a continent, we got so many people and our diversity is, is our pride. So many tribes, so many cultures and everything. Understood. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that to me. So because this show, this UNHCR, UN Refugee Agency, and I'm, I'm going to mess it up now, Luku Luku uh, Movement, which is yeah. about activism to change preconceptions about refugees. Physically, you're used to being quite a presence on stage. You're incredibly tall and you've got this massive yes. smile and you're quite imposing. How do you get that across online? How do you convey that comedic message that you want to? Well, one of the things that we're really gifted with as human beings is the fact that we can adapt to whatever situation that we jump in. We are like 10 months into COVID-19 right now. If you haven't adapted yet, then you're the problem. So it's more about, about like, oh, we, we are in, we jumped in. We're in the deep side of the pool, it won't be a problem. It won't be a problem. Comedian AK Dance there, and now it's time for the news. In northern Mozambique, attacks by violent extremists have created a mass displacement emergency which has left 1.1 million people in need of assistance and protection. In an appeal for $254 million, the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, OCHA, detailed rising violence, conflict and insecurity in Cabo Delgado and neighbouring provinces this year. Spokesperson Jens Lacke said that attacks and fighting have forced tens of thousands of people from their homes every month. Nearly 530,000 are now internally displaced in Cabo Delgado, Nampula and Nyasa, almost five times the number registered in March 2020. Here's Jens Laka now. People fleeing violence in Cabo Delgado have been exposed to severe violations and abuses, and we are especially concerned for the plight of children and women. Women and girls are at risk of abduction, gender-based violence and exploitation, while boys are at risk of being killed or recruited by armed groups. Tens of thousands of desperate migrants continue to embark on dangerous journeys across the world's deserts, jungles and seas, and thousands are dying along the way. That's the stark message from UN Migration Agency, IOM, which said on Friday, International Migrants Day, that it had recorded 3,174 deaths worldwide on the routes that vulnerable people take. Although this number represents a significant drop in deaths compared with previous years, likely linked to more than 90,000 COVID-19 restrictions around the world, some routes saw an increase in fatalities. IOM said this includes the 593 people who've died en route to Spain's Canary Islands so far in 2020, compared with 210 in 2019 and 45 in 2018. 
In Thailand, the arrest of demonstrators under treason laws is deeply troubling, the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, OHCHR, said on Friday. The announcement comes after the authorities charged dozens of activists in past weeks, OHCHR said, including a teenage protester. Spokesperson Ravina Shamdasani said that they could face prison sentences of between 3 and 15 years. We are deeply troubled by the move by Thai authorities to charge at least 35 activists over the past few weeks including a 16-year-old student activist, under Article 112, which is the less majesty provision of Thailand's criminal code. The offence carries sentences of between 3 and 15 years imprisonment for defaming, insulting, or threatening the country's royal family. We are particularly alarmed that the 16-year-old activist was presented by police to the juvenile court with a request for a detention order. Ms. Shamdasani noted that numerous UN human rights mechanisms had repeatedly called on Thailand to bring its treason law in line with the country's international obligations concerning freedom of expression as stipulated in the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. A roundup of this week's headlines there, and before that we heard irrepressibly upbeat South Sudanese comedian A.K. Dance, who was born and raised in Kukuma refugee camp, and his mission to break stereotypes about refugees and help those living in camps once the coronavirus crisis allows him to move freely again. And of course, we wish him all the very best with his project and we hope to hear from him again. But now it's time to turn to our guests, Solange Berotegui, Cortez and Alfred Diallo from the Information Service at UN Geneva. Hi, guys. Hola. Hello, Dan. <laughs> we're, uh, we're speaking remotely as we have to at the moment, but let's get to it. Over the years, Solange, we've reported on migrant caravans in Latin America, thousands and thousands of people of all ages heading through Central America to escape lack of opportunity and desperate poverty. And also this week, Venezuela, where there's an economic crisis and a long-standing political impasse that's created a mass exodus. Now, we had a news alert on that this week, a really sad one, because at least 21 Venezuelans who attempted to reach Trinidad and Tobago, they died when their boat capsized off the coast of Venezuela. The UN Refugee Agency said on Tuesday that this represented one of the biggest single losses of life involving Venezuelan refugees and migrants trying to cross that stretch of sea, which is only at its narrowest point, about 15 kilometers from Venezuela. Any reaction from you, Solange? Yeah, I couldn't help thinking how 15 kilometers can change your life, how 15 kilometers can take your life. And yesterday, after hearing this sad news about the tragedy, I looked online to see how much a ticket would cost to get from Guiria in Venezuela, where these people set out from in their boat to Trinidad and Tobago. And the first entry I got was one-way ferry ticket, travel time, two hours, 30 minutes, costs 125 euros. 125 euros, the cost of a life. Obviously, too much to pay for people desperate enough to run away from their country in dangerous boats run by trafficking networks. I'm from Bolivia. In Bolivia, there are 5,700 Venezuelan refugees. Also, according to the UN Refugee Agency, in May 2019, 16,000 were registered by the government of Trinidad and Tobago. On the 14th of December, Solange, the UN Refugee Agency was 70 years old. Not that it's a good time to celebrate. 
not not really. I mean, the High Commissioner for Refugees, Filippo Grandi, said that the organization is not in a mood to celebrate. We can understand this. He also said that almost a year ago, the total number of refugees internally displaced asylum seekers and stateless people reached 1% of the world's population. I wonder what percentage we will consider inacceptable. 2%, 5% or more? Yes, so that's, I mean, 1%, so 70 plus million people. So, Alpha, can I turn to you quickly? Moving to Central and West Africa, the UN Migration Agency issued an alert that it may have to stop life-saving work rescuing migrants who've been left for dead in the desert by people smugglers. And you've also got a very sad story about a talented young footballer from Senegal, nicknamed Dudu, who died at sea after his father paid smugglers to get him to Europe. Yes, that's right, Dan. Thousands of migrants fleeing from West and Central Africa are at risk as critical funding from the European Union comes to an end. According to Geneva-based organizations, the end of the program and funding gap raised deep concern about the fate of tens of thousands of vulnerable men, women, and children. Dan, this call comes amid an increasing number of departures towards the Canary Island. This maritime road has already claimed the life of over 500 migrants this year. And to conclude, I would like to say a word about this tragic fate of 15-year-old boy, Usman Fai, nicknamed Dudu, died at sea in October. His father had paid the equivalent of about $450 to a smuggler. The young man was going to try to get to Italy to train as a soccer player or football player, according to local report. A Senegalese court sentenced the father to a month in prison. The court also gave him a two-year suspending sentence for risking life. It's a very, very sad story, and it's unfortunately not that uncommon Although I should say that often some media will portray a false impression that Western Europe in particular is, quotes unquote, under attack from migrants and refugees. This just isn't true, is it? Sure. When Africa migrates, it's usually to neighboring countries. Four out of five African migrants remain in Africa. And according to African Union, 36 million African migrants are on the African continent. And fortunately, so far this year, at least 900 people have drawn in the Mediterranean trying to reach European coast. Out of those 36 million migrants in Africa, well over 6 million were refugees by the end of 2018. And according to UN Refugee Agency, refugees originated primarily from the Central African Republic, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Somalia, and South Sudan. Thank you, Alpha. So that gives us a better idea of where people are moving to and from, certainly on the African continent. And it's been fascinating hearing your insight from Latin America, Solange, and Alpha from the African continent. So I'd like to thank you for your time today. Thank you, Dan. Bye-bye. Bye, Solange. <laughs> Bye. And thank you, listeners. We'll catch up with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.